1: Hello everyone, and welcome to Heart and Hand Rangers podcast, the original and best. My name is David Edgar. I'm your host, as usual. And joining me this week is a man I actually joined at the Livingston game. We had the pleasure, and we're not that sick of each other that uh, we can't be together. Well, you know, virtually anyway, to discuss the three-one victory over Livingston. It's Andy McGowan, the Sage of Soulcoats himself.
0: Oh, well, David, seems like almost twenty-four hours since I last seen you.
1: Mm. Yes, um, almost 24 hours and, and probably the happiest 24 hours I've ever spent after a trip to Almondville or the Spaghetti Had <laughs> or whatever it's called this week because I have an awful record at Livingston as a fan. Just honest to God, I've seen some right howling performances. I remember once there were 2-0 up under Big Eck and ended up drawing two each. We had about what, 10 minutes to go. You were probably at that game as well, Snodgrass get yeah. two.
0: Is that the one, Vatarus let it drift in the, in the Yes, that's the one,
1: and you were like, what, what just happened there? So it, it's never a place I've got particularly fond memories of, or you know, have much expectancy of, because you know, it's just a, it's a horrendous pitch. It's a strangely weird ground to get into, and I know that there were Rangers fans yesterday, Andy, that didn't get in, that they were queuing from about half-eleven and didn't get in until about ten past twelve. Um, It, it even on your ticket, it's not particularly clear, and you know what? M- many people have called me an idiot over the years. I really think I can read a ticket, and I—I I was wondering. Like, okay, I think I go round here. It's not very well signposted. It's kind of packed into that tiny wee area that you know, just over the bridge, and yeah. You know, when people are turning up at half eleven, they do. I think have a right to expect to get in for twelve.
0: Aye, because I was meeting people yesterday for, for distributing tickets and everything else and she's trying to find them or, or trying to tell find a a kind of signpost or something notable. It's pretty hard because it's just one of these nondescript mechanical grounds. And, and actually the only reason I get in no bother was because I, I clocked it. You actually go by the turnstile number. So you just follow that. But there's no, it doesn't really see east stand, south stand, whatever. It's not really clear at all. But yeah. Um, you were in before me, but so you must be. You can't be that bad. Well, I was fine, but you
1: know me. I was there about quarter past ten, so, <laughs> you know,
0: and uh, I
1: desperately needed a pee. So you know, there was no, <laughs> there was no, 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 big issue for me. But um, people were turning up a bit later, um, and it and it wasn't great. Now, can we just do the obligatory that fucking pitch at the start <laughs> because that fucking pitch. Look, it it probably played a bit better yesterday because of the snow because it was wet and the ball didn't stick as much as it usually does when it's so slow but the bounce is still a lottery and there was a few times that players were getting on our fans were getting on some Rangers fans um, and I did it in the, the the second half which was the other end from where we were uh, the Oh, what a terrible cross. And when I watch the game back, I'm like, not it's bobbled. And it really has just as a, they've went to hit it, it has this really strange wee kind of leap up. And of course, they end up smashing it off their instep, which probably wasn't the plan. Um, it's... We talk about it every game, but I, I'm genuinely, every time I go there, Andy, I'm, I am shocked at how bad and how poor it is. And uh, yeah, I know,
0: and uh... The the problem is the hypocrisy because you've got like Sir Martin Dale who, you know, I quite like him, but he comes out yesterday talking about, you know, the snowball incident at half time, no reflecting well on Scottish football. <laughs> well, if you are talk about things that don't reflect well on Scottish football, then, you know, look to your feet and what you're standing on, mate, because yeah. I, I I think I said to you yesterday, I says what do you think man, but no not so much Van Bronckhurst, but Mackay, the Ajax guy that's just signed us in the stand, what was do you think? And I know they've got plastic pitches in Holland before somebody says, "Well, oh, i have got them in Holland as well." But the ones I've watched in Holland are a far better uh, quality plastic pitch. So this isn't a, a, a rant against plastic pitches per se; it's a rant against the quality of it. It's, a, it's cheap crap, much the same as as Kilmarnock's was. You you can get good quality um, plastic pitches, but for some reason in Scotland we get, you know, something one step off the QPR's carpet for 1985.
1: Mm-hmm. Remember that. It, it, it actually looked better, to be fair to yeah. you, know, 35 <laughs> years ago. It did. Um, whereas, yeah, this one looks to me like one of the fibre optic Christmas trees. It's as if they've just squished <laughs> that down. Um, and it is a bizarre, bizarre surface and clearly not fun for the players to play on. But Tav, in his pre match, did say, look, we've played on it enough now. So, no excuses. We can't claim that we don't know what happens when we go there. Doesn't mean it's fun to play on. Doesn't mean it's easy to play on. But um, they went along yesterday. And. Manager not making wholesale changes, one change from the side that played on Thursday night. But quite an interesting one, I thought. Scott Arfield coming in uh, to midfield for Stephen Davis. Obviously, Stephen Davis is at the age where he needs managed anyway, we get that. But I think that might have been a change that would have happened anyway, because what it did was we didn't go with the two holders. We went with somebody who whose energy I thought was terrific yesterday, Scott. You mentioned to me in the first half that, that he was boxed about, he really was. Um, And again, that run and finish, that run he makes all day long and few of our other midfielders do.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting because that's a fresh set of eyes because I think the perceived wisdom would be if Davis drops out, at comes in as a natural replacement there. But what we saw yesterday, as far as I could tell, was that you saw Kamara play a wee bit deeper. And cover the centre-halves and he's and seen him with a couple of good interceptions in the box in, the, in our defensive penalty box and Arfield was given that fairly integral central midfield role so he's went from let's be honest, he's been fairly peripheral but even when he comes into a team he's usually shunted to a, a wide left or right position for his defensive capabilities but yesterday he was brought in for, well, for what he did in the first goal which is his ability to get from box to box and give us something a wee bit different. So I mentioned a, a renaissance of Scott Arfield. He kind of faded the way, but I think his yellow card didn't help. But no, I, I, I welcomed it because I think you know, he's in he's, he's a contract this should really get another contract? That's debatable, but he's super reliable. You know what you get with Scott Arfield and often use this acid test question. Would you start him tomorrow at Park <laughs> As I said an acid test question when I'm trying to Judge the merits of any Rangers player. I'd never have any fears about putting Scott
1: Arfield in any team, any Rangers team at any time. He, wait, he goes through these bursts of form, right? Mm-hmm. Scott Arfield when he's at his best, and they usually last about two months, three months. And he had one last year, run about this time, October, I would say, and he mm-hmm. was vital. And he was vital. And if he's just heading into one of them, then it's huge. Because yep. he does have things And there are times with Scott Arfield he, he picks up some injuries, we know that There are times as well where he's, his form Isn't as good as it can be But when he is in those purple patches Then yeah, he's, he's a hard, hard guy To dislodge at the team Beautiful ball from Tav, beautifully tucked away The yellow card was puzzling to me Because he didn't leave the pitch
0: That's what I, I didn't I, get Aye, I, I, I couldn't really tell But I'll, I'll tell you about the goal The goal is exquisite and, and I know we watch Rangers and we get excited and overexcited sometimes about some things, but I watched that again last night and the wee, glamp, the wee glimpse he gives to see where the goal is before the boys is anywhere near him. So probably in line with it leaves Tav's foot, Arfield's made his run, he looks and has a see where the, the strategy is, he knows exactly what he's going to do. I thought it was a fantastic goal, it really was. And if it had been Germain Defoe or anybody else, we'd have been really, really purring over it. But that's what day can do. And you're right, there's no many our midfielders can actually pierce the um, pierce lines like he can in intelligent runs. But fair play to Tav as well. I mean, Tav's been a hot topic this season. I mean, he's a playmaker for right back. And, I, I, and uh, the, the extra on Friday night, I kind of went, you know, boys out and said, listen, there's no way a person should be in before Tav. I said it was nonsense to say it. I stand by that. His numbers are brilliant. But more than that, we kind of take passes like that for granted. Uh, it was a fantastic ball through. It
1: was, and that's, you know, at, at the end of the game, because obviously we'll come back to it, but that's now him 15 assists in 21 games a season, plus three goals. And you're right, it, 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 after a while, people glaze over. And he does make mistakes. You know, he was horrible at, at Hamden. Let's be honest. I mean, he was mm. dreadful at Hampton. But... He comes back and he delivered there, and then he mentioned we had scored a good goal. Well, my goodness, did we score an absolute peach! Nice move, Ryan Kent tees up Joribo in the, the edge of the box, and you can see immediately what he wants to do. And my goodness, the execution—he just turns, lifts it, curling away from the goalkeeper with dip, and it's perfect, just kisses the underside of the bar on the way and they always look great I think Um, we were right behind the goal Andy and I yesterday the the goal in the first half and a bit like the Arfield one you could see straight away that's in and it was the same with us as soon as he hit it you saw the way it was dipping and well clearly not as soon as he hit it a nanosecond later I thought oh the keeper's not getting that and yep an absolutely superb goal from Joe Aribo Um, we know he can do that and I just want to see more
0: of it. I and first of all, the goal is fantastic technique because it's coming across his body, but it's coming onto the foot he's kicking with, if that makes sense. It's coming from the left onto his left. So to make that connection and to get a swerving dip across the goalie was exquisite. But to go back to what I said earlier about Van Bronckhorst and maybe a fresh set of eyes, we were at, not a name drop, but we were at the Loudrop dinner. I remember David and, and mm. Jim White asked Loudrop, who's, you know, who's the Rangers player that he feels, you know, basically who was the best Rangers player? And immediately he said, Joe Aribo, And that yesterday, and on Thursday night against Sparta, because it's notable that Van Brockhurst had Aribo effectively as the central number 10, you know, mm. with Hadji and Kent either side of him. I think he sees what Loudrop sees and maybe what, we don't see, because I think, again, there's a, a, an element of familiarity. It doesn't breed contempt, but I think you start to take things for, for, for granted. If you're watching Rangers as an opposition scout, I think you're going to be right doing a ribo, a ribo, a ribo all over your notepad, because it, this season, at least, he has been a constant source of danger. Plus, he's been a driving force, which c- c- you couldn't always say. He kind of followed others in previous seasons, but seen last season and this... He's been one of the main thrusts attacking wise for us, and uh, he, he, we say he needs to do more of that. He does because he could he could be doing it much more often. And he was unlucky later on with a fantastic he drive was. on the other end.
1: Yeah, he was um, a magnificent save from Strachey. I, I think you've, you've you've touched on something there that I I love Joe Aribo, have done since he arrived. Love watching him, but um, I know I know I know. But but in this instance, I I probably do judge him harder. Uh, than I would other players because I think he's better. Uh, I yeah. think he has more ability. And in any game, he'll do two or three things when you go, that is just absolutely magnificent. Ab- any game that you watch, Joe Rebo, that will happen. But it is about numbers and goals and, and this, this and And I, I think he should be. Setting records, you know, just in terms of ability, physical gifts, because you know he's got this amazing build and those big long legs, and he comes away with the ball so often. And I, I he should be, hitting for me, a fifteen-goal-a-season midfielder. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. He, he's, I mean, we're talking about sellable assets and returning to player trade and that kind of stuff. He's the one for me, even above Kent. That I think we should be, you know, if for wanting to cash in some chips. He's the one that's the biggest chip a lot. I think he is. And it sounds ridiculous, right? Because you always heart back, make comparisons, but he is... He should be our guys, I just know, and I'm not saying he's as good as guys, right, before folk take out a conscience, but in the context of our football team, the guy that we should be looking to to, to make that bit of brilliance, the, the defence splitting pass or the, the, the goal or nothing, when it's nothing each and you're running in the last 10, 15 minutes, it's a reboot you would be looking to do that because he's got the most ability in that team by country mile. He's... Um, but he's added things to his game. I mean, he's winning the ball back much, much better than he did when he first came to Rangers. He's, he's physically stronger. He's more robust. He can win boys in the air. He's a threat at corners. He's becoming an all-round midfielder. And I've often said time and again, and folks are listening right, associate you've said that 10 times already, Andy. If he adds the steel and mentality that saw Gerrard kind of progress and progress for a youngster, a raw youngster, to fulfil his potential, then he can do anything he wants in the game. And uh, he just needs to date mayor. And I know that's easy to say, date mayor, but he's so capable And I'm the same as you, David. I expect that I keep thinking you should be one of the standout players in the country and in, in yep. English clubs and, and further fields should be looking and saying, this is some player immediately buy him.
1: Yeah, that, that, that's it. And, I, and I, I don't get as frustrated at players who can't do it. And, and I yes. think we would, I think you know people would agree that there are it's decision making it's that one extra touch sometimes and if you know he he learns to release it right more often than not and look there's no player alive or who's ever existed who always made the right decision but just a wee bit more often then he would be pretty much unplayable but I'm a great believer Rangers are rubbish at twelve o'clock kickoffs, and <laughs> I think you know, especially after the the big effort on Thursday night, it would have been understandable. But it was a brilliant start, playing some great stuff, knocking it about, looking dangerous, stretching Livingston in the middle of the park, as you say, Glenn Kamara was um, knocking it about side to side. They were getting stretched, and then boom, one long ball over the top. Conor Goldson doesn't deal with it. Alan McGregor makes the save, but uh, there was Anderson to tap in ahead of Calvin Bassey, and look, it's because we've been in a bad run defensively pretty much all season, you just immediately feel it yourself and then you notice the crowd are feeling it as well as oh, for you know, and it is that, this shit again feeling, it, it's so frustrating and then Rangers I thought we lost our way for about 10 minutes a wonder save, there's no other word for it from Alan McGregor or bizarrely after a game that we'd utterly dominated for most parts of it, we could have been going in at half time two each
0: Mhm, and if you lose that first the, the the goal that we lost yesterday, and it's in the context of last season where we were super stingy and you know we were hardly given a chance away, you can kind of shrug your shoulder and say, well, you know, these things happen. But because we've had this run that we've had where we've lost the first goal for so often, with the nightmare at Hamden, the goals we've been losing we've really soft, and the, and the much kind of wanted stats of shots versus goals that we've had in the last two months. You can't really dismiss it. No, I actually, when I watched it again last night, I thought, actually, it's a better pass than, you know, it's borderline where it's a mistake for Goldson as opposed to a brilliant pass. I thought it was a superb pass and end up, he should have probably done better because he got caught under it. But it's no like him. He doesn't usually get caught out with the boys like that, and, and and his defence. And I thought on another day, McGregor makes a recovery save as well. So, you know, you're inches away for that, not being the disaster it was. However, you're totally correct. That second, save for McGregor, was equally as miraculous as the one he had on Thursday with the toe, And um, it, it should have been a goal. 100% should have been a goal. And I thought Goldson was really at fault for that. I thought it was mere at fault for that than it was the one that actually scored for it. And if that had went in, I think the you knife know, would have been out for Goldson because me and you commented on it that whatever it is, the patience is not there for Conor Golsan, which I think think it's unfair, right? We can talk about what he said after the the, the semi. I think we've already talked about it, but between the the misconception of a player that does not sign a contract, the comments he's made, and, you know, some fans think you're not giving your all, I think they were ready to turn on him yesterday, which I don't particularly like, and I think it's probably unfair, because, David... I think Conor Goldson's our best defender, and it's no coincidence that Bassey has played well for two games in a row because he's next to him, and if he had Balligan next to Bassey, it's totally different. So, I think Goldson, you, you said it yourself last year, he's our talker. It's clear that when we, we're very good at, at holding the line and offsides and stuff like that, that's Goldson. Um, and if he signed on a contract, I'd be delighted. It's just a matter of money. He's, he's a higher earner as it is, and we're not going to stretch any further. That's football. That's the way it is. Um, and I think last week was just an unfortunate, spur of the moment, comment, comments that he made, which were ill-advised. And I don't think they helped him. But the fans need to, you know, they need to be real about this. We're not going to drop him. Nobody else to come in. And he's still integral to the way we play. And until he goes, that's the case.
1: Some of his passing yesterday was, was driving people to distraction. Yeah. simple passes, but then he he would step forward and hit a couple of 60-yarders that put people in. Um, yeah. So, you know, the, the, you're right, they there's still that ability. This is what I meant last week when I said, when, when people were discussing what he said, believe it or not, I didn't really pay much attention to what he said so much as the fact that he'd said it and what the outcome of it would be. And that was my point, that it wasn't about, was he right or wrong? You know, That you can debate that to the cows come home, it's a matter, matter of personal preference. It was about, does this make life easier for him? Or does it make life harder for him? And straight away, I've been, n- makes it harder, because the next time he makes an error, folk are going to be all over him. And you saw it yesterday, you, you mm-hmm. said to me you know, during the game, a couple of those passes, and you felt it coming up, and he would have been advised, I think, this week to try and walk it back. That's what I would have done if it, you know, I would have said to him, just go out and clarify it, say it was spur in the moment, whatever, and for whatever reason, you know, maybe it wasn't suggested to him, maybe he decided not to. Do it. I don't know. That's just speculation. But um, it's gone now, and unfortunately, it's it's registered with the support that that's been the case. It's registered that he said that, and that's uh, that's kind of the end of the story. Um, I don't think this is the last time we'll talk about this. I think the next time he makes an error, it'll happen again. And, uh, you know, probably the only way back is if he signs a new deal. and fans will go, right, cool, no problem. Or he discovers he's top form. That's really probably the the only way I think it's going to do. There are players fans will give tons of leeway to. And there are players that, for whatever reason, fans won't give leeway to. And he's in, I think, category two right now. For whatever reason, uh, and it's a shame because he was my player of the year last year. I thought he was absolutely mm-hmm. magnificent for Rangers. Um, I said in the summer, the rock at 55 was built on, but um, we are where we are as we sit here, you know, just going into December 2021. This is the current situation. Into the second half, and uh, eventually, because there was a delay to the start of the second half, as there was some. Snowballs on the pitch. Some of the the Rangers fans in the end, opposite to us, they did a wee bit of a snowball fight, and then I think a few were were thrown at the goalkeeper when he came on. And I don't quite understand why it took so long to clear him off the park. Um, I don't quite understand why it was a ten minute job. And I know David Martindale, who, as you mentioned earlier, I like as well. I think he's great, but um, he said afterwards. You know, this is what people will be talking about. Um, It's not a good look for the game. It's some kids throwing snowballs. And look, I'm a miserable old bugger. You're a miserable old bugger. And we were no. like, right, like, fair enough. You know, just get It's not, do you know what I mean? This this was not thugs rampaging around the streets of Livingston causing carnage. It was some snowballs. I don't
0: know. And the the thing, the, the problem isn't it, the the snowballs, because... Yeah, well, the the mounds of snow in the park, and, and if you've been to Livingston, you know you can lean around and touch the ground there, right? You're, you, you, that's where the, the walkway is. It's right at the the front of the stands. So, um, it was the fact that one guy kind of trundled out with a, a snow shovel, he said, and I think somebody else came, and uh, they slowly but surely managed to get these horrendous one centimetre snowballs off the off the pitch, and. Uh, it was kind of laughable, and, and and I'll tell you, it was more laughable, given what's happened in Scottish football over the last couple of months, and remembering Sunday and stuff like that. And you know that that was annoying because it was pre, It it sort of a premeditated, designed to cause upset. Whereas this was, as you say, spur of the moment malarkey, right? And 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 we are a couple. I mean, we are. Oh, we are the two.
1: We are the two old guys for the muppets. Um, them the Muppets Aye I mean So We're not exactly Best disposed To people having fun That's You know We're, we're very Calvinist In that regard
0: <laughs> And even we were Like kind of like So whack Kind of style um, So I, I kind of Get worked up About it And I, I, I was quite surprised At Martindale get, Getting uh, worked up And he get worked up Of the game Because he shouted His players back over And they, he made them Do the warm up And the Rangers fans Were taking a piss At them Because we were Just kicking a ball About like a Sunday league team Would they and he had the muddy and drills and stuff like that, so a total storm a teacup. And uh, I'm not condoning it, you know. I went over that. Strzelec could have been knocked out by a rogue snowball, I'm sure. <laughs>
1: at our end, and it wasn't throwing um, at, uh, at a player or anything, but at our end, I have to give a bit of praise. And I don't know who did it, and it's a shame, but he threw the most perfectly round snowball I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> He had obviously spent time crafting this thing. There wasn't a lump or a bump on it, folks right This was per- it was like a fucking tennis ball, this thing right, and the job he'd done all of it to the point I was like look look look, look at that snowball there. It was just
0: spectacular
1: snowball craftsmanship.
0: You were you were unusually impressed by that, and I I I'd say this this is you're really impressed by a snowball, David. No, it,
1: it was perfectly round, right? I mean, it was you you've got to admire craftsmanship when you see it, Andy. That that's a snowball artisan that we witnessed in action there. Um, but yes anyway, back to the game and, and look, second half, again, it's always nervy at two one. We know that. Watch the game back, Rangers are in total command of it, total control. Mm-hmm. For says from Strychek, it's about, though the manager said afterwards, it's about you know we let them stay in the game, which you do at 2-1. Mm-hmm. Then we get the third that was done. Uh, the wonderful fashion Cicala uh, comes off the bench, smiling, of course, because he hears a fan singing his song, which he's uh, said at the press conference ahead of Hibs today, that uh, he loves singing. He, when he's on his own, he can't stop singing it. Um, and he pops up. Hell of a leap. Great ball in from Tav. Stridejack, I think, should do it a lot better. But but even so, hell of a leap from Sakala. He gets there, nods it in for 3-1. He's beginning. He just play with a convi, you know, he had another effort as well and and I just think that he's a guy who right now is going onto a field for us, for Zambia, thinking he's going to score goals
0: oh, Totally, totally, and I, and I was I was sitting here the day trying to Google some some factoids for the listeners just to, uh, apparently he's from Zambia
1: I've heard this yes, um, there were rumours so, of it circulating in the stands yesterday but he's such a lovely character, you know, he's just such a Someone described him on Twitter as having a kind and gentle soul. And I, mm-hmm. and it shines out of him. He's just one of these people that you just want it, good things to happen to. And honest to God, folks, see the delight when that goal went and Yeah, it was 3-1, right? Great, game over. We figured that, so there's that. But people were genuinely pleased that he got it.
0: He's got an innocence about him and in the world of football, I think... Th- th- so we're talking to Gerard, and there's a lot of people who felt personally hurt that said one week that he loved Rangers and he was going to stay in the left, right? And I was kind of like, how naive are you, right? But that's me. And I think in the world of football, real authenticity is few and far between. And I mean real authenticity. And real humility as well. I don't think you get a lot of that in football. And he's got that. And, and it it's, it's pouring out him. Because you know that is what you get when you're talking to him, and you hear him. And if I mean, that interview the view after the middle game was just, you know, it made you, it made your heart glow because he was just <laughs> a guy that was so thankful for um, where Everything. he's at. No, but, yeah. exactly. And but I think there's more to him than that. I think I, I don't think we want to kind of caricature him as, a, as some kind of happy cheery. You know, never sees the bad There's a steel there, and there's a steel there that's going to where he is. You know, yeah, he's
1: yeah, you don't get to where he's got to from where uh, he's come from without exactly. having yeah, that determination. And his work ethic's tremendous. That's apparent. His attitude's first class in everything yeah. that he does. Um, And he's got talent. It's a pretty good yeah. combo.
0: Yeah. Desire. I, I, I had a, a pal that was a professional football player and he always says, it's all about desire. If the desire's no there, you have nothing. And he's got that in spades. But I think what, what's happening to at Rangers is He's getting to know the way we play, so he was getting to know the way we played under Gerard. I think the coaching staff we've got new, um, will get the best out of him as well because of that. I mean he was in Belgium, not in not unlike in Dutch football, not in like Scottish football, and he's got the attributes that can see you succeed in Scottish football. He's got pace, he's got strength, he's um I mean that leap I mean, Nike or Sakala. What the hell what well, that, some leap yesterday?
1: That's a couple of headed goals already. Um, three, I, really I think, now. Um. So uh, an area of his game that we didn't know. He reminds me a wee bit of Stephen Naismith and that he's a weird yeah. guy. And you think, right, probably not going to be that good in there But guys like that have to learn to time their jump. If you're yeah. six foot four, age fifteen, you win everything in the air. You know, playing yeah. playing at school. Um. So you don't really need to learn that so much. Whereas if you're a, a weird guy, you do. And he's got that timing and also that ability to hang. You know, just to, to stay up there a wee split second later than everybody else. Um, a terrific header and, and it put us an easy street, the game was won. As I say, um yeah, I'll always I'll take anyone at Livingston. Um, you know, still take about one point from two matches with them this season, they can be a pain in the in the butt, especially at their own ground. So really happy with that. And and look, if you'd said to me walking out of Hamden last week when I was disconsolate, as we all were, um New manager starting tomorrow. This week you'll qualify on Thursday night and make Leon a you know, a, a friendly, right? Really. And you'll also go there and, and win at Livingston quite comfortably in the end up. I think we would all be very, very happy people.
0: No question. And and but there's more to it than that, David. There's, there's signs there that are more than a new manager bounce and, and me, I mean we spoke about it yesterday. But Ellis isn't back to top form, but there's signs there that He's doing things that we want to do, like running into the channels, have shots at goal, playing far further up. I think the, again, I said on the Friday extra, I thought Hadji, they played him a different way against Sparta Prague, where we used his guile and his intelligence, which are his, uh, his att- attributes, you know, finding space for himself. And I thought we did that yesterday. I thought the first 20 minutes, he was, he's hit and miss in terms of what comes off for him, but I thought he was a constant uh, participant and all that was good for our, our play that, that first half and um, that's that's not a coincidence, that's because you know, whether Kent being wider, stretching their defence a wee bit more, affording him more space to, to come from outside to in or find that, that pocket that, that is his thing um, plus he's been selected for the first two games, you know, so Hadjie was a guy that we were often saying, is he a starter and, mm-hmm. and there's Van Brockhurst obviously sees something in him and, and, and thinks that he's uh, a worthy contributor and he he deserved a start so that should help his confidence and his belief in himself because much like we're seeing Aribo Aribo when he first came at Rangers had that same journey where he came in kind of raw loads of ability Hadji's the same he's kind of raw his decision making at times pretty um, askew but he can come up with brilliant bits of individuality and and, and spark and, and offer something different so there's things happening in the team and then I mean, we spoke about Kamara. That's a different way we played Kamara yesterday. was central, very central, as opposed to, you know, he's usually playing at either side of Davis or Lindstrom. Um, I think that's his best position. And, and I noticed, I'm not going to take the credit as for my, my, my tactical genius, but I noticed reading up somewhere that there was a thing where, defensively, he would drop into the centre-halves, which is classic defensive midfielder. You know, a classic defensive midfielder thing is to become a a third centre-half when you're, when you're out of possession or you're defending and they and he done that yesterday they had a couple of great interceptions in, in our own six-yard box so there's things that happened in the space of a week that are notable and promising and I think it's far too early to say right but I think or I hope the one criticism I had about Gerard and Bill was we changed it but it was imperceptible so Bill always got defensive when he spoke about 4-3-3 being that and nothing else and he would say, ah, oh, but we do this and we move the number 10s. And he would say there's things happening within the 4 3 But I think we're going to be a more adaptable team during games. And you'll see bigger changes in, in the formation and the, in the way we play during games. I think that's a great attribute to have as a team because it can win you games. It can change the, 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 the course of season sometimes. So maybe we've got a wee bit of Dutch, Dutch tactical intelligence that would
1: Maybe didn't have before. No, I think that's certainly the case, um, and I think that that's something that um, we've seen on uh, the the two matches so far. We went at the end, you know, a kind of four four two with Sakala mm-hmm. through the middle, uh, 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 young Nathan Parson out on the, the the right side of midfield, and I thought he he gave us a boost yesterday. I thought. It, it, mm-hmm. But it brought energy and quality going forward. And, um, yeah, good win. An interesting code, Andy, something I want to talk to you about. And that is, on the bench, and it was noticed, certainly, by by the folk we were there. With, can I just... A shout-out to the Cumberland Card Brain Boss?
0: Was that... Have I said it right? I think I was that, yeah. Yeah, we were sitting we're, in
1: front of and Sitting in front of you. for a shout-out, so there you go, lads. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, the, the people run about us um, and we were going, oh, Defoe's on the bench, which seems kind of strange, given everything that had been going on. And uh, at the press conference, today, the manager said, yep, uh, I'm using him as a player. So it looks as though he's, he's not going to be doing so much coaching. He's going to be a player. It would appear that, that he's happy with that um, and that he wants your know, minutes. He got off the bench, went on long, but, but got a shot away. But I wonder if it is just a case of saying, now, Obviously, we can speculate to the cows come home about whether there was something between him and Gerard, but mm-hmm. he was nowhere near the first team all season. Mm-hmm. And on match days, he was being allowed to go and do mm-hmm. English punditry rather than be there on the coaching staff. So there was clearly something, right? Uh, whatever it was, there was clearly something. And I think that, that first of all, for, for Giovanni Van Bronckhorst to, to pick him. He wants to use him i mean that's clear he wouldn't have done it for any other purpose he didn't have to do it yesterday it wasn't an injury crisis he chose to do it and he chose to put him on um and i wonder if it is a case that he's just sat down with him and said look i don't really need an attacking coach i've got roy mckay here mm-hmm. um however i want i want to use you as a forward and he's went well actually i'd rather be playing
0: mm-hmm. no it was notable and uh I mean, I thought the rating was on a wall soon as Mackay came in because it was said that he was going to be specifically coaching the forwards as part of his role. And see, for me, the has got too much to offer, and he's probably too high a wage to be sitting as a quasi coach learning his trade in the background. And I and I dare say that it was, as you say, David, a, a, you know, a gentleman's agreement, or whatever you want to call it, with, with Gerard that. You know, will let you transition into coaching, and there might have been a job from there longer term if you had stayed, and so on and so forth. But can you think anybody else you want to come off the bench to get your goal in in the Ranger squad? I can he, he he is the one man that you know he scores goals, and that's it's
1: it. Also, there, there are games at home, and we did this last year. You know that famous goal against Livingston, etc. Mm-hmm. There were games last year where it was like Alfie, you take a wee rest here, son. Yes. And yep. you you do start. I mean, I still would have the confidence of if J- Jermaine Defoe is showing up well enough in training that he's getting picked. I still have confidence that yeah. Would I would I want to play him away at Parkhead? Probably not. Would I want to yep. play him at home against you know a bottom six side on a day that I think we should be winning three or four now? Yes, I would.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally agree, totally agree. And and I like watching him because he's, yeah, he's a too. brilliant. He's a, he's a brilliant His player, movement. and you always oh. you always learn something from him. You, you see him and. In, in, where by age you know, thirty nine, forty, I don't know, but he's he's no lost. It wasn't as if he was a pace merchant, it wasn't as if he was Michael Owens zipping away for players. It was his intelligence in and around the box and that half yard in his in his head that made him the player he was all through his career. He's still got that as far as I can see. Um so I I, I think he can be a, a ten goal cameo throughout the season mm, uh, I and totally go agree go. With that. Goals might be important this year. I hope they're know, but goals might be important this year in terms of goal difference. So, what one thing I would level at the Rangers team this year is that when we have won games, we probably should have won them by far more. And and in the last 10-15 minutes, we've not scored as many goals as we should. Um, and he's the man. He's the man for that. Isn't he?
1: Yeah, but certainly I see a role for him, but, but, but more importantly, so does his manager. So mm-hmm. like I say, he's not putting him on the bench, and he's certainly not putting him on for a laugh. Right, I mean, no. there, there's, he's done so he's impressed them in training enough to do it. Uh, and even when he got on yesterday, went on long, still managed to get a, a shot away at goal and force a side because that's in, that's what he does. In two
0: minutes, that's all he had on the part. That's two all he had. And, he still a shot
1: away. And, he's, it, and that's, you know, uh, I, I totally agree with you, especially bringing him on when teams are tiring. The last thing you want to see is him because you know that he's going to be moving constantly, you're tired, mm-hmm. your concentration level's down, and especially in a game where. maybe it's one thing if they've got 10 men behind the ball but if they're trying to get back into a game and we saw that last season against Aberdeen against Celtic where there he was put away and, and that intelligence shines through and he puts the ball away so a good victory and it sets us up for Wednesday night Away to Hibs. Hibs ended their uh, league losing streak after five games with a victory at the weekend, obviously building the confidence from the week before. And they're going to get into this game confident, they? Andy, and they have every right to do because the last time we bumped into them, and yes, you know, no manager, etc., but they battled us and the game was done inside half an hour.
0: Yep. And, and with the two weeks kind of decompression, you know, sometimes you look back at games like that and you think, that was a bit of a freak, a bit of a fluke. I don't think it was. I think uh, for the first minute they, they had a way of playing. They got the breaks in terms of, obviously, um, everything that they wanted went right for them first time. But they used Boyle extremely well, I thought. And he was a constant thorn in our side, even after he scored his goals. And it changed the way we played. We had, to, we had to watch what we were doing because of his pace and the way, the way they were using him. Now, Easter Road is Easter Road, it's a hard place to go at the best of times, um, but we've had some really, really top performances uh, over there in the last couple of seasons. So we've remember that, because if I'm a Habs fan and you are not the bravado there, you're probably saying, there saying past his after the park sometimes. And, and really, I mean, I can think of a couple of occasions we should have given them a right down in the get away with draws and stuff like that. So there's nothing that stop us going there and putting on a performance, because we've certainly got something to prove. I'd really like to, you know, prove a point to one or two other specific players on no not give them the, the, the privilege of their names get mentioned, but I'd like to um I think if we win in any fashion on Wednesday then it sets in a great marker between new and the old firm game because um you know Livingston, potential banana skin, aye, but we should come through it. Easter road's the same. Celtic up a lot into that and saying, right, Let's see what you're made of. Waiting for us to slip up. If we can come away for there with three points, then again, can breaks their heart a wee. But um, so, but a really tough game. I'm interested to see how Van Bronkos approaches it. I think he might see the team change again. You'll see Davis come in. Um, I'm interested to see if it goes with the same front three. I, I said a couple of weeks ago. I'd like to see a bit of continuity in the front three because I think that's where confidence and form find, is found. You know, we were constantly changing that under Gerard, whether it was Sakala. Brelos, you know, Hadjian was in and out, Kent obviously had injuries, we weren't getting any continuity week on week at all in the front three, a front four, rather than the front three, so I, I think we'll see that probably stay the same, I think you'll see Kent wide, you'll see Hadjian play, I think you'll see Morelos through the middle and you'll see, you know, the kind of midfield formation with had already, so it's interesting because it's, it shakes it up a wee bit. Jack Russell kind of know exactly what Gerard was going to do because you know that's the fourth season. Teams get to know their style and their their um their foibles. Whereas now it's a totally different proposition. So it's it's an interesting time for us.
1: Now the other major event this week will be the AGM, which will be held on Tuesday the thirtieth. Um, so tomorrow, as we record this and uh, it goes live, are you expecting any anything particularly? non-run-of-the-mill Andy or will it just be a a pretty straightforward AGM?
0: I I don't I'm not going and I I, I don't that that in itself tells a story and there's nothing in my mind that you're sitting saying I really need to be there to, to either hear what's said or to represent or to try and speak I think what happens on the pitch very much so influences what happens at AGMs and things are fairly even keel just now in terms of supporters' attitudes towards the club, the board, the football. Uh, and there's always things you can improve on, and there'll be things brought up like Castor and the deal and a bit of clarity there. Um, but I don't see any icebergs for the board. Let's put it that way. There's a bit of goodwill there. Now, dare I say it, the Dave King thing, you know, there's a strange dynamic there that we, we've been aware of, and I mentioned it when I was doing the accounts that, you know, I called it a change in the regard and they've kind even made comment to just clarify his position in terms of the loans and stuff like that. That's, it's all very strange to me. I don't think that's going to play out at all during the AGM but um, I'm hoping that's not the seed of a, any sort of discontent or, or noise that we don't need. I don't think it is at this point in time and I don't think it will be but there is the potential for that and uh, the board are pulling in the same direction. That, that That's evident. John Bennett, Douglas Park, we are pulling in the same direction in terms of finances. And there is this kind of, it's a commitment, really. The commitment was made in the in the the notes and the, the accounts that they're going to try and break even or expect to break even very, very soon. And I'm just wondering what changes now that we've got a new manager, because you, you make that commitment on the basis of what you know, what you have and what you expect to happen. I don't think Gerard Leaven was in that equation at that point. So I just wonder if that changes the um the financial landscape as they saw it, because they might be think, well, you no, know, new manager, there might be assurances there in terms of budget. Um who knows? Um but so that that's an interesting thing going forward. But I don't think anything at all will play out of the AGM in that regard.
1: It's interesting that you mentioned about things are you know affected by what's going on in the pitch. Obviously, at a football club, but yeah, another thing is that it might have come at a good time for for maybe Ross Wilson because mm-hmm. obviously the last couple of weeks he's been at the forefront of the manager search. He's he's got in a new manager that we're all happy with, and he's got off to a good start. Um, because otherwise, I, I wonder if there might have been some questions to him because mm-hmm. you know the the last few windows have been. Disappointing I think it's fair to say Now I know there there weren't an awful lot of money about But if you look at the players that have come in Forb, Wright um, Sakala Simpson, Lundstrom uh, Bakuna You're probably looking at Wright and Sakala Being players That the fans are like Yeah okay, can can get Mm -hmm. that Um, And I wonder Between that and the lack of a big sale Whether or not that might have been Put to him now again. I know you can only sell what you know what's in front of you or or offers that come in to you, but it is part of his remit. And as well as that, we we do have a lot of players, big players on our side who'll be coming out of contract in the next Mm -hmm. uh, 18 months or so. So there are a few questions there, I think, as well as he did do on the manager search. Mm -hmm. No,
0: that's totally fair comment. What I would say to that is that. I mean, a sporting director is a relatively new concept for us at Rangers. We've had Mark Allen and we've had Ross Wilson. That's it. And we've spoken about it since the the mid-90s. You know, this is when the the, the concept of a sporting director was kind of coming out in Europe and uh, an overarching thought process and designing a club. And I always spoke about Ajax and stuff like that. So it's been a long time coming. But what we have got now is we've, we've definitely got a structure and, I, and, and Ross Wilson often talks about the one club ethos right through for the youths to the women's team to the first team and I often described Ross Wilson's job when we were kind of getting to know him as succession in a word it was succession and that was an acid test we had there with the manager because that was you know that was worst case scenario mid-season a lot at play or a lot to play for and your manager says by the way I'm off um, that could have been badly, badly wrong. And you just need to look at a society to see how badly wrong it can go when you go for the wrong option, um, because it echoes through months and months, seasons and seasons. Um, so I, th- I think that the transfer thing, what you say is absolutely true. We, we, By and large, all those players we've mentioned there have been zero outlay. So Simpson was a boysman. Uh, off a board, we've, we've not really seen a Bakuna, right? You know, very little outlay at all there. That's good, and that you're, you're you're going to pick up some VGMs there, by and large. But you're going to have players that don't make it just by the nature of the fact that there's a reason that they're, they're they're Bosmans. I, I think if it sold one player, then that would have been totally different. But I think the problem that Wilson has is, and you mentioned the offers that we received. Our first big sale is going to be a marker. It's going to be a marker to say, do you know what? This is Rangers. We're no soft touch and we're not desperate for money. That's where Celtic have got their strength on the sales side of stuff. Look at the hardball they played when they sold Keegan Tierney Arsenal. 24 million and it was up front. Mm. Jesus Christ. You know, you can see what you want about, that, about Celtic, but that was absolute proof positive that they have got their player trading model cooking with gas because they're fairly well versed at it. Now, on the other hand, we have been in a position in the past that we've had to sell players because, you know, there was a there was a degree of necessity, and, and buying clubs smell that. It's no unknown amongst football circles when clubs need money or need funding. At Disney really, you know, it's, it's common knowledge. So we have got, and as you've seen, all the noises coming to the Rangers and at the Van Giovanni van Bronckhorst press conference, Ross Wilson could have been any more unequivocal. We don't need to sell players. No, I don't think, he, I don't think that's true. <laughs> I think we need to sell players, but we need to sell them the right way. And what he did there was create the correct optics, which is, you know, if you'd want to buy your players, you need to pay what they're worth. We won't sell because we need to sell. So there's this contradiction where the club have said we're going to break even. There's an the unspoken <laughs> fact that will be construed that we need to sell to do that. But by the same token, Ross Wilson saying, I bought like strong arm it where nobody's going to sell it for any reason. And and that's what happened with Morelos. Morelos, they got a bid for Morelos, they got a bid for Parsons, which was derisory. I think it was a bid for somebody else. None of them fit the bill because if it sold them for on the cheap, what does it tell you? Rangers are still a selling club that still needs to sell for for uh, you know necessity as opposed to design. So that's what I take for. It.
1: The only thing I would disagree with you there was when you said you can say what you like about Celtic. I can't. If I did, <laughs> if I did, I'd get arrested. So uh, yeah. Oh,
0: no, that that will that, be me getting up in Oh Andy, you're bumming up Celtic. No, I'm not. I'm just telling you. That's the way it is.
1: All abuse to Andy. It was him that said that, folks. Right. Thank you very much to everyone for joining us for our flagship show. And of course, if you like what you hear from Heart and Hand, we have unrivaled coverage of Rangers over on our Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash Heart and Hand. And on there from just $1.99 per month, you will get up to 30 hours of shows every single week. And we cover all things Rangers a lot of other football as well and a few other things to keep you entertained as we're into the hibernation season I think it's very much fair to say given how cold it was yesterday although we go in and uh, Andy deserves a bit of credit here or rather Andy's dad does because we go in and of course we're at the end where the sun that winter sun low winter sun can't see a bloody thing and Andy hands me an envelope and I was Thanks very much. And he's like No, no, put it under your hat, because we had woolly really hats on, <laughs> and fold it. And it worked. It was a proper visor. So as someone said to Andy, we should have taken the term inno visors. I was sad we missed that. Yep, yep. So I've got this new Dragon's Den ideal, a hat with a skip.
0: Imagine mm, that. That's
1: imagine quite that, yeah. A, a woolly hat with a skip though would be would be nice. So we'll, we'll get on to the, the guys at the famous see if they can come up with that. Uh-huh. But uh Thank you to our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Miles. Thank you, of course, to Andy. Wonderful as always, my friend.
0: Pleasure to be on. Thanks very much for asking me.
1: And uh, of course, Adam will be back with Heart and Hand extra late in the week, which will hopefully be a breakdown of a good performance at Hibbs and a look ahead to the Dundee game. So until then, folks, have a wonderful week and I'll talk to you again this time next week. Take care. Bye bye. <laughs> Podcast Network.